Today's reading is entitled The Delight Song of Soaitali by N. Scott Mamaday, a Kiawa poet and writer. I am a feather on the bright sky. I am the blue horse that runs in the plain. I am the fish that rolls shining in the water. I am the shadow that follows a child. I am the evening light, the luster of meadows. I am an eagle playing with the wind. I am a cluster of bright beads. I am the farthest star. I am the cold of dawn. I am the roaring of the rain. I am the glitter on the crust of the snow. I am the long track of the moon in a lake. I am a flame of four colors. I am a deer standing away in the dusk. I am a field of sumac and the palm blanc. I am an angle of geese in the winter sky. I am the hunger of a young wolf. I am the whole dream of these things. You see, I am alive. I am alive. I stand in good relation to the earth. I stand in good relation to the gods. I stand in good relation to all that is beautiful. I stand in good relation to the daughter of Sentante. You see, I am alive. I am alive. Again, it is good to be with you all this morning from our sanctuary and uh, I will not tempt fate by praising the Wi-Fi too much. I've learned my lesson, <laughs> but it is good to be with you. I'm mindful this morning that like the Torah or the Gospels or the Bhagavad Gita or a favorite fable or a story that otherwise inspires you, the one we tell today doesn't change much, but it still speaks to us in this moment. And so as always, it begins in 1923 in the Czech Republic, uh, then called Czechoslovakia. A Unitarian minister by the name of Norbert Čapek, many of you know this name well now, serves the largest Unitarian church in all of Europe and in all of the world. Even today, it would still be the largest Unitarian church in the world. The church is in Prague and it's a large building. The ideals of Unitarianism speak to the people there in the city and beyond. They speak to them deep down in the marrow and call to them. This was a time of rebuilding in Europe, of finding a way forward after the First World War, of holding to ideals uh, and hoping for ideals that build everyone up and everything. The only thing is that Dr. Chopik and many of the members of the church thought that their building was really ugly. It wasn't brutalist. I don't believe that architectural school was alive and well yet, uh, but it was stark. It had barren walls, monotone colors, 
there really wasn't much art. Uh, it was not particularly somewhere that felt like home, much like here, the warm wood colors feel homey and draw in the green around us. So they wondered, how could we get more brightness? How could we reflect the beauty of the members, the hearts and minds of our members? And they wondered. And so Dr. Topic had an idea. On the last Sunday of the church year, he asked that all of the members or friends or visitors, anyone, to bring a flower to the Sunday service, any flower of their choosing from their gardens, from the fields and hills and forests, wherever they happened to find it. And during the service, they would gather up all the flowers in a giant vase up at the front of the sanctuary, and Dr. Chopik would bless the flowers. And then he encouraged each member to come forward and select a flower different from the one they had brought. And so there they were each holding a flower, a gift brought from them, brought for them, a radiant, blooming flower, perhaps a bud waiting to bloom, some with thorns, some with pollen, some damaged and imperfect. Some might even call them weeds, or perhaps they're extravagant. The sanctuary was lit up with greens and vibrant colors, and there it was. The point was made manifest before the people. We each bring gifts to our communities of faith. And our deepest calling is to not jealously guard them, but to give them freely. We bring our diversity. We bring our stories, our hopes, our dreams. We bring our wounded hearts, our scars, our healing too. And we share that. The first flower communion was born in that moment. A unique Unitarian holiday and tradition a celebration of who we are at our very center, a free faith, giving freely and abundantly in community. The tradition continued for years and was finally brought to the Unitarian communities in the United States in 1940 by Dr. Chopik's wife, Maya. And from there, it spread widely and became a beloved tradition uh, in the United States and in Unitarian and now Unitarian Universalist communities worldwide. At the height of 1940, the Nazis occupied Czechoslovakia. And being the largest Unitarian church in the world, the Nazis found the ideas that Dr. Chopik was preaching to be dangerous and a threat to the Third Reich. And so they worked to shut down the church, but Dr. Chopik and his followers, they resisted. They continued to preach a, and live a life-affirming, life-giving free faith. They continued to preach democracy. They continued to preach worth and dignity, all those Unitarian ideals that we've inherited this day. And still the Nazis arrested Dr. Chopik and they sent him to the concentration camp at Dachau. And though we've heard this story many times, it still rips the heart out. Human beings can be so cruel. Struggling with feelings of defeat and despair, Chopek had another idea in Dachau. Here he was amidst great suffering, amidst people seeking some shred of hope in that camp. And it wasn't just Jews and Unitarians, it was LGBTQ folks, it was the Roma people, it was anyone that wasn't Aryan or complicit in the Third Reich. 
And so Chopik gave the same instruction he gave his congregation 20 years earlier. Find a flower, any flower, it doesn't matter. The prisoners would scrounge along the fences of the concentration camp, finding small wild violets, white clover, dandelions, uh, weeds, anything. They gathered up these small messengers of beauty, including those weeds. And Chopik led a flower communion service with the prisoners in Dachau. And he did this as often as he could, sometimes daily. In 1942, Chopik died while the Nazis experimented on him. It was no accident. In telling their stories after the camp was liberated, many of the prisoners there remarked that if it wasn't for Norbert Chopik and the flower communion services that he led, they would have given in to despair. They would have stopped fighting. They would have given in to the hate and the filth of the Nazis. And so this is the story we tell every year on flower communion. The stories of Norbert Chopik and the first flower communion and the continued flower communions while he was imprisoned at Dachau, they are more than just myths and legends, though they can sometimes feel that way. It feels like it was a while ago to many of us. These are flesh and blood testimonies. They're not just fables we tell. And any great religious story that is told over and over and over again began in such a way. We don't know why Zeus became the king of the gods, but the flesh and blood testimony in that story is early human beings marveling at thunder and lightning, looking at Mount Olympus as the clouds swirled around the summit and pondering things bigger than themselves. The story of Moses liberating the Hebrew people, perhaps the flesh and blood testimony there is not a grand sweeping story with plagues and 40 years wandering the desert, but instead it started smaller, only to grow into a symbol of human liberation to this day. The story of Jesus of Nazareth, we'll never know what happened to his body, but the flesh and blood testimony came alive in a new religion that dared to teach love and forgiveness. And we could keep going the Buddha, Muhammad, Guru Nanak, Baha'u'llah, Martin Luther, the transcendentalists, any community where there is a story to tell. Behind any myth, there is a testimony. And so it is with Norbert Chopek and the persecuted Unitarians during World War II. As you heard, Norbert Chopek wanted to bring some color and symbol, a symbol of everyone's uniqueness to the church. And this is true, of course. And for me, when I tell the story, I wanna leave it there. I want to just talk about the color and the joy and the beauty that was brought to the church, the cheerfulness, the fullness of a blooming summer, our uniqueness. And those things are still ours to inherit and to embrace to this day in, in this celebration, in this unique observance of ours. But we need to go deeper. We need to go beyond skin deep to get into the blood and marrow, heart and soul of the story, to imagine just for a moment, just for a single moment, or if you dare, a few moments. Go ahead and risk your heart breaking and mending all at once. A flower as humble as the one I am holding here saved lives. It gave people just enough to not surrender to the evil abyss of Nazism. To remember that it wasn't just their uniqueness, but the uniqueness of everyone. 
The beauty and the goodness of nature, even when it felt like evil would win the day, as it had with countless souls already in those camps. And still, still, in a place of such despair, death and destruction, flowers bloomed along the fence line, and there was delight to be found. Not delight in, as in, oh, I found a nickel on the sidewalk, or someone brought balloons for my birthday, or someone baked a blueberry pie. No, a deeper delight. A delight that cuts through the day-to-day comforts and reminds us that there is a world worth believing in. For the Unitarians of Dachau, it was a world where the goodness of humanity could be realized. That goodness will always triumph over evil. For the Jews, it was the unfolding narrative of Israel, that they were never truly abandoned, that God was still somehow with them. For so many others there, their memory of delight, of beauty, of enduring joy were each their own in those moments of scrounging for flowers, for weeds, for anything along the barbed wire fences. There is the flesh and blood testimony of this unique holiday of this holy day, of this tradition. And so, yes, it's about uniqueness. It's about color. It's about fragrance and happiness. It's about the sun shining today, perhaps long enough for people to gather without storms raining down upon them. It's about how we are starting to emerge slowly from this past 15 months. It's about those of you who will stop by later, rain or shine, to get your flower and to see one another face to face, even if there's still a mask on it, or to simply wave from a distance and to drive by. It's about those things, but how could you ever forget that this simple act of giving and receiving flowers saved lives? How could anyone ever forget that after hearing it? And knowing that about this day, this unique holiday of ours, there it is. The heart breaks, and at least for me, it mends all at once. Broken by the cruelty of humanity throughout history, even to this day in this moment, but mended by those who choose hope against all odds. And so, yes, yes to joy, yes to the beauty we discover, yes to that enduring delight for though we pray a Holocaust such as the one that was experienced in the 1940s does not visit upon our world as it did for Norbert Chopik and those at Dachau, there is still a commanding urgency to go to the fence line and to search for flowers. For us, it's the hope we place in our values, worth, dignity, justice, democracy, the interdependent web, spiritual wholeness, But for those prisoners in this story, they did not have the luxury of ruminating on what it all means. They sought out flowers to survive, to remember that God had not abandoned them. And there are times in our world when that's all people can do. And so we carry them with us in each flower communion to this day. We carry the hopes and fears of every flower communion throughout history, the flesh and blood testimonies that have kept this tradition alive. And so it is right now. Every flower brought is both a bringer of 
joy and peace, delight and hope, and a reminder that our world needs joy and peace, delight and hope more than ever. So we remember this flower, a bringer of joy and peace, delight and hope is for the suffering of our world through this pandemic. We've endured and lost much, life has changed and yet possibilities are before each and every one of us. And this flower, a bringer of joy and peace, delight and hope is for the lives lost to COVID-19, some of whom we knew and loved ourselves, for delayed grief, for lives still lost as we approach 600,000 Americans dead, for the memory of all of our beloveds that we lost and all the grief that has been delayed in this time. And this flower, bringer of joy and peace, delight and hope, is for just how fragile our democracy feels these days. And this flower, a bringer of joy and peace, delight and hope is for this community Enduring through a challenging time, embracing change, discovering grace, discovering or perhaps remembering why such a place as this is important to us. And this flower, for those at the border hoping for a better life, free from tyranny and oppression. And this flower, for the voices crying out for justice in our streets. And this flower for knowledge that things may get worse before a new world emerges. And this flower for pride for the LGBTQ plus community that is celebrating their inherent worth and dignity this entire month, but not just one, one month, every single day. And this flower, for celebrations and happiness many of us still have, let's not be guilty to remember our joy and our delight. This one is for you, for me, and for you as well. I know you're out there, the one that is thinking you're not worthy of such beauty in your life. You are and always have been. These flowers, certainly not a professionally arranged bouquet, <laughs> are for all of us. And there's still room for your hopes and dreams in this bouquet, in this gathering of delight, for what you need to discover in your heart and mind, for what you will bring to a new tomorrow and each day after. That is the power of flower communion. Yes to beauty and delight and joy and color and uniqueness and yes, to the flesh and blood testimonies of a day's past and also the ones we bring ourselves. They ring throughout the generations and they call us to celebrate, to rejoice and to remember. In the poem you heard earlier from M, uh, N. Scott Momay, uh, he finds himself in a spirit of thanksgiving and praise for the natural world around him. And he remembers his ancestors and elders in the Kiowa tribe and his connection to so much more, to that history, to the tragic story of his people being forced onto a reservation in Oklahoma from the, off of their traditional lands, from the suffering they've endured, 
but also a connection beyond that to everything. And it gives him hope. It gives him and his people the will to continue that, that remembrance, that connection. And for those that didn't make it in the history of his people, the will to remember, to bear witness, to celebrate their lives, to honor their sacrifice, and to know that this world is, and our lives are worthy of our testimony. Shortly before Dr. Chopik was killed by the Nazis, he wrote down a prayer. And we are grateful that it made it out of Dachau and can be heard in this day. And he wrote, it is worthwhile to live and fight courageously for sacred ideals. Oh, blow ye evil winds into my body's fire. My soul you'll never unravel. Even though disappointed a thousand times or fallen in the fight and everything would worthless seem, I have lived amidst eternity. Be grateful, my soul. My life was worth living. He who is pressed from all sides but remained victorious in spirit is welcomed into the choir of heroes. He who overcame the fetters giving wing to the mind is entering into the golden age of the victorious. Oh, blow ye winds into my body's fire. Our lives are worth living, dear friends. Our souls will never be unraveled right here right now in this community. I invite you all to not only bring your uniqueness today for those of you that will be joining us, but to bring your testimony. Why does this community make you come alive? And how do you make the community come alive? How's this story coursing through you? Not just something you hear once a year, but something that will guide you throughout the weeks and months to come that will guide you as we start to slowly emerge from everything that's happening around us. I look forward to hearing your testimony, seeing your uniqueness blooming in this community and in all that you do. Blessed be, dear friends. Amen.